Praise the Lord. This is Brother Phil speaking the truth in love radio broadcast. We've got a very, very important message for you today. It's about how to develop a personal relationship with the true and the living God. You know, you can be wrong about a lot of things, but if you're wrong about the doctrine of God and the nature of God and how God says a man gets himself into heaven, you're wrong enough to spend eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. There's a real person called God. There's a real person called Satan. God is eternal and good, and Satan is a murderer and a liar. And he does not want you to know the truth about how to get into heaven. So please listen very carefully. Get uh, something to write with and write our address down because at the end of this broadcast, if God has spoken to your heart, I'm going to ask you to write to us. We don't want you to send us any money. We just want to know if God is speaking to you through this broadcast. Right now, I want to pray that God gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in all spiritual wisdom and understanding that you might understand the truth because it's truth that sets a man free. So without any further ado, I want to take you to today's broadcast. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Here it is. The Lord's Prayer, found in Luke chapter 11. The disciples come to Jesus, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. The first thing I'd like you to note is what the disciples did not ask. They did not say, teach us a prayer. They said, teach us to pray. I believe, since the disciples could have asked Jesus for anything at all, I believe that the reason they asked to learn how to pray was because they were sure that was the source of his power. They saw him pray many times before he did many mighty miracles. They were convinced that that was the source of his power, and of course, it was. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus told them, When you pray... Do not use vain repetition as the heathen do. They think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. So the first thing that He teaches us about prayer is that vain repetition, repeating the same thing over and over again, is not the way to pray. And he likens that to heathenism. The Lord's Prayer begins with, Our Father which art in heaven, and it ends with, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. God, not not me, not mine, not we. God is the focus of all true spiritual praying. Now, there's nothing wrong with telling your needs to God because we're told elsewhere that we are to present our supplications and our requests with thanksgiving to God. Now, the 66 words of the Lord's Prayer reveal our relationship and the attitude that we must adopt if we are to have an intimate relationship with the Creator of the universe. Let's look at it. Our Father. Our Father reveals a relationship, not a religion. Friends, this is fascinating. Christianity is not a religion, it's a revelation. And once you've had the revelation, 
it leads you to a personal relationship with God Almighty through His Son, Jesus Christ. God is our Father, and we are His children. There is no other religion on the face of the earth that teaches that God is your Father, and we are uniquely His children. Interestingly, as a side note, I read an article produced by a seminary out west that had interviewed 600 former Muslims who had converted to Christianity. And one of the common threads in their testimony was one of the things that attracted them to study Christianity was this idea that we know God is our Father, that this is not just some cold, dead religion, but it's a, it's a personal relationship with God. That's exciting. Our Father who art in heaven... He is infinite. We are finite. He's the God who was, the God who is, and the God who always will be without beginning and without end. Omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. We are finite. Holy be thy name reveals the fact that he is the creator. We are the creature. And as such, we are to worship him in the beauty of holiness. Thy kingdom come speaks of the fact that he is the sovereign king over this coming kingdom, and we are his subjects. Thy will be done reveals a master-servant relationship. That does not carry the negative connotation of a slave from the movie Roots, for example. Uh, This relationship based on love is the obedience not of a slave, but of a loving child to a perfect Heavenly Father. Thy will be done reveals the master-servant relationship. Give us this day our daily bread reveals the fact that He is our provider and we are the beneficiaries of that provision. Forgive us our trespasses reveals the fact that He is the Savior and we are sinners. That is where our relationship begins. And by the way, Jesus is not just our Savior. He is our salvation. He's not just our Redeemer. He is my redemption. I'm no longer a sinner saved by grace. I'm a saint who sometimes sins. And how comforting it is to know that He's not just my Savior. He is my salvation. My salvation was purchased by Christ. Lead us not into temptation reveals the fact that he is our guide, and we need guidance. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. With him I'm no longer in darkness. The lamp shows me where I am, and the light shows me where I need to go. This prayer defines the attitude that we must adopt if we are to have a fruitful prayer life. The very first word in this prayer is not me or mine or I. It's our, our Father who art in heaven. That word our destroys any idea of selfishness, self-centeredness, self-serving. We are to be unselfish in our love for others and how freeing that is. Jesus himself said, I didn't come to, to be served but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. It's only the Christian who understands in Acts chapter 20, when Paul was about to leave the Ephesian church and head for Jerusalem, 
His parting words were, Remember the words of the Master himself, It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. There is true, great, spiritual freedom in being delivered from selfishness and self-centeredness. In fact, selfishness is the essence of sin. If you recall, Lucifer said, I will exalt myself above the throne of God. It was Lucifer who committed the first sin and became Satan. And the essence of what happened was he became discontented, being perfect in beauty and full of wisdom. He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted what belonged to God. He became discontented and covetous. So selfishness is the essence of sin, and that is why our world is like it is, because of selfishness and sin. Our Father who art in heaven, if God is your Father, then you're my brother. I think of Cain and Abel when Cain killed Abel, and God showed up and said, Where is your brother? And Cain said, Am I my brother's keeper? And God said, Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. The obvious answer is, Yes! Our Father who art in heaven, holy be thy name. We are to come into his presence with a deep reverence. We are not to come into his presence flippantly. If you were to come before an earthly king, especially back in uh, the ancient times, if you didn't follow the proper protocol, you could lose your head. How much more careful should we be when we come into the presence of the eternal self-existent one? We are to come into his presence in the beauty of holiness because nothing impure or unclean can stand in his presence. And it's only by the blood of Christ that we can approach the throne of God. Lead us not as a desire for guidance. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We're lost. Thine is the kingdom is an anticipation of victory. The Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And God will ultimately be victorious in this world. And we are to come into his presence knowing that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That we have been given power to overcome sin. Thine is the kingdom and the power. We must understand that we are weak and he is strong. Paul said it's only when I am weak that I am strong. Thine is the kingdom and the power. Jesus said, All power, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. We are to humble ourselves before him. All the glory in this universe belongs to him because he is the creator of this universe. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. We must humble ourselves before God. Soon every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. God will use anybody, Chuck Smith once said, as long as they don't want to touch the glory. Someday soon, every person that's ever been born from the beginning of time until the last person that's born before God stops time will stand before the throne of God. And they will confess that Jesus is the Lord. And I sort of envision who's going to be in the front row. 
I see, I can imagine Adolf Hitler being in the front row, and uh, Satan, who was once Lucifer, in the front row, and Mao Zedong, and Mohammed, and Buddha, and Confucius, and Carl Sagan, and Charles Darwin, and many, many others will all be there, and they will all acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. And there is no other Lord. There is no other Savior. There is no other God. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Friends, one of the greatest things that you can learn to develop to live a victorious Christian life is to have an eternal perspective, to live in light of eternity. There are so many people who live only for today, who live only in time. They live only for the things of this world. They can't see past the immediate. Ah, but to live in light of eternity, that's a completely different worldview. It's a totally different paradigm. It's very freeing to know that what I do in time will have an effect on how and where I spend eternity. Therefore, I want to walk in the light as He is in the light. I want to seek wisdom. I want to live in light of eternity. Now let's take a closer look at this and find out what this has to do with our relationship with God. When Jesus uttered these words, Our Father who art in heaven, Judaism had become a dead formalism of religion. So when Jesus referred to God as our Father, I believe it blew the disciples away. And it was shocking to the religious leaders. Referring to God as our Father reveals what the true believer's standing is before God. It represents a close, personal, intimate relationship with God. The word that Jesus used was Abba. The closest English rendering we can come to the Aramaic word Abba would be Daddy or Papa. What an amazing thing that we can go to God and call Him Dad. This is completely unique to Christianity. Of the five great major world religions and of all the various sects and cults, no one but a Christian calls God Father. If you understand the implications of these two simple words, our Father, this settles forever the identity crisis. I know who I am. I know where I came from. I know why I'm here, and I know where I'm going. It puts an end to the question of my self-worth. I am infinitely valuable to the eternal God because He loved me enough to die for my sins. For a man to enjoy a successful life, he needs three things. Something to do, someone to love, and something to hope for. I have something very worthwhile to do. As a Christian, we have been entrusted with the secrets and the mysteries of the universe. We understand how the universe was created. We know who created it and what our purpose is. We have been given the ministry of of reconciliation. As ambassadors for Jesus Christ, 
we understand how a man can enter into a personal relationship with God, be forgiven for his sins, and live in heaven forever and ever. An ambassador is the highest-ranking public official representing one nation to another, or in this case, one kingdom to another kingdom. So, I've got something very worthwhile to do, and I've got someone to love. As I mentioned a minute ago, I love God because God loved me first. I have something to do, I have someone to love, and I have something to hope for. I've got eternal life waiting for me. I've got an inheritance that is sealed by the Holy Spirit waiting for me in heaven. And it's an, it's an inheritance that neither moth nor rust can destroy, nor thieves can break in and steal. And when the Bible talks about hope, it's not the word, I hope we're having spaghetti for dinner tonight. Our hope is founded in God, who is not a man that he should lie. And even when we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So our hope is founded on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, who cannot fail. This should put an end to fear. It should put an end to loneliness, bitterness, and worry. God is the sovereign king of the universe. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. For God to change, he'd either have to get better or worse. That's impossible. He's perfect. And our Father has a holy name. Holy be thy name. Prayer is ever and always, first and foremost, an acknowledgement of the holiness and the beauty and the love and the glory and the power and the wisdom of God. It is worshiping God. It is to ascribe to Him the worth that belongs to Him alone. He's perfect. He's pure. He dwells in unapproachable light. He's far above all gods, men, and the idols of men. He completely transcends His creation, and paradoxically, you can know Him like you know your brother. Jesus said He called us brothers and friends. Our. If you are selfish, you can't say our Father. If you are selfish and live only for yourself, you can't say Father if you don't look like, live like, and love like one of his children. Do you understand the hypocrisy in this? God hates hypocrites. He hates hypocrisy. The Pharisees were religious hypocrites. The strongest words that Jesus had for anybody were the Pharisees. Not because they were so far from God, but because they were so close to God and they missed him, all because of their self-centeredness, their self-righteousness, and their desire to exalt themselves. It's spiritual pride. They were jealous of Jesus and his ministry, and it was the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who made the arrangements for Jesus to be crucified. You can't say, who art in heaven? 
if you're living only for this life, you cannot say, Holy be thy name, if you do not long for holiness. The Bible says without holiness, no man will see the Lord. How do you feel about your sin? Do you hate your sin? Do you tolerate your sin? Do you play with your sin? Or do you love it? You cannot say, Thy kingdom come, if you don't have a passion, passionate desire to be a part of that kingdom and to be a part of that kingdom work on this planet. I think of a quote by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Spurgeon said, If you don't have a passion to see others get saved, you can be sure you're not saved yourself. That's a frightening thought. Because there are many people that I see who call themselves Christians who have no passion for mission, who have no passion for evangelism. You cannot say, Thy will be done, if you do not have a passion to obey His word. Thy will be done. You cannot say, In earth as it is in heaven, if you do not serve Him here and now. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. You cannot say, Give us this day our daily bread. If you are dishonest in your work, or you do not work, it says, I believe it's in Hosea, that a house built with ill-gotten gains, even the rafters will cry out against you. I think of Proverbs 21 that says, The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. And uh, in the Proverbs, there's another one that talks about the unjust scale being an abomination to God. If you cheat somebody out of a penny, it's an abomination to God. The Word of God says, if a man won't work, neither should he eat. You can't say, forgive us our debts. If you are not willing to forgive your brother... If you have unforgiveness in your heart, you are in bondage. In Matthew 18.35 it says, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. You cannot say, Lead us not into temptation. If you entertain a sinful lifestyle or even sinful thoughts, all sin begins as a thought in the mind. The Bible says that we're to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We're to set our minds on things above, not on things below. Only man looks on the outer appearance. God looks on your heart. There's another verse that says God tests your heart and your mind. I think of another verse that says, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, looking to strongly support those whose heart is completely His. The Word of God says that we are to guard our hearts. 
If you're entertain, entertaining anything in your mind that doesn't fit through the grid of Philippians chapter 4, that says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is honorable, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if it's excellent, if it's worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. So if what you're thinking isn't true, if it's not right, if it's not lovely, if it's not excellent, if it's not worthy of praise, you have no business allowing that in your mind. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the temple had three sections, the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. My body is the outer court, my mind is the inner court, and my heart is the Holy of Holies. And nothing impure or unclean is supposed to enter the Holy of Holies because that is where God dwells. Friend, your mind isn't a garbage dump, it's a temple. Psalm 66.18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. You can't say, Deliver us from evil if you walk in darkness. Psalm 101.3 says, I will set no unclean thing before my eyes. Do you realize that the television set has desensitized us to evil? That many of us are so desensitized by the immodesty, the blatant immorality, and the violence, and the antichrist spirit, and the unholiness that spews out of that electronic idiot box. We, in many cases, are unable to discern the difference between the good and the evil. I will set no unclean thing before my eyes. I think of Job who said, I've made a covenant with my eyes that I will not even look upon a virgin. He didn't mean he'd never see one. He meant he'd never look at one and entertain sinful thoughts. You can't say thine is the kingdom if you're not a faithful subject of the king. It's hypocrisy. God hates hypocrisy. You can't say thine is the power if you're self-sufficient. In John 15, when Christ said, I'm the vine, you are the branches, apart from me, you can do nothing. He was saying that you draw your life from Christ. We cannot say, thine is the power, if we think we are self-sufficient and can do anything apart from Christ. What do you have that you have not received? Is it you that causes your eye to see? Or your heart to pump the blood through your body? Are you causing yourself to breathe? No, it's all done by the sovereign power, will, and glory of God. You can't say, thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, and thine is the glory, if you're more interested in making a name for yourself rather than for Christ. Jesus said, how can you believe? I think it's John 5. How can you believe if you accept praise from men, but do not seek the praise that comes from the only God? And last of all, you cannot say, forever, if you're living for time rather than eternity. If you love the things of this world more than the God who made this world, then you are in idolatry. Unfortunately, I'm out of time. 
I need to know if there's anybody out there that's listening that's been encouraged by this. This is Telling the Truth in Love. If you want to write to us, I need to hear from you. Write to World Harvest Radio. That's World Harvest Radio. 61300 South Ironwood Road, South Bend, Indiana. 46614. I'm going to repeat that. Please get something to write with and tell me if this has been an encouragement to you. We're not trying to raise money. I just want to hear from you. I don't want your return mailing address. I just want to know if you're being encouraged by this. It's World Harvest Radio. 61300 South Ironwood Road. South Bend, Indiana. That's just I-N. 46614 USA. And the name of the broadcast is Telling the Truth in Love.